and welcome back to the X Factor Racing Podcast. This is Mary Rufo speaking uh, at Miss Mary Rufo One on Twitter, and I am joined by my four lovely co-hosts, um, and they can introduce themselves now. Hi, everybody. I'm Ann Cora Imparo, the Mad Fat Teacher on Twitter. Uh, glad to be back for our third episode. Thank you, Mary. I'm Sherry Riddock, uh, Sherry at GoPhilly on Twitter. I'm looking forward to having another fun conversation and a lot of laughs with the lovely ladies. I'm Caitlin Free, um, at Caitlin E. Free on Twitter. Super excited to be back with you ladies. Absolutely love you guys. Excited because we are approaching the Triple Crown. So lots to discuss, lots to discuss outside of the Triple Crown, but excited for another episode and happy to be back on. I'm Carson, uh, RogueWolf007 on Twitter. Um, been a busy week for me as I have personal things going on of exciting nature, but nonetheless, still here to talk about the ponies. We love that. Um, and kind of going right into what Caitlin was saying, we are approaching Triple Crown season. And one of the biggest stories that we've been closely following for the last several months and basically a year now is um, Bob Baffert. Um, Bob Baffert was banned by Churchill Downs and is no longer able for that two years to enter a horse into the Derby. And as a result, several of the Derby hopefuls have been transferred to other barns. Uh, and Cora, what do you think about that? I have a question, actually, because as someone who's only been handicapping for two years, maybe you, you ladies can answer a couple of questions for me regarding this. Is two years a significant punishment will he you know lose you know will he lose clients will the clients come back to him after the two years to me it's all very strange like I would have thought what he's been doing to horses would keep him out of horse racing the rest of his life not the case Hard to, hard to say for sure. Um, the two-year ban is strictly at Churchill Downs properties. Um, so obviously that involves the Derby and the Oaks. So that's really going to impact a lot of these big name ownership groups that are with him. Um, I think they will probably stick with the transfer thing for the next couple of years. That obviously has seemed um, to work out this far. We'll see how it works out for Taba and Messier once you know they draw the Derby and the Derby is actually run. But I think what's really going to impact him the most is this 90-day ban because he had to completely vacate every barn he has, move every single horse to a new trainer. Of course, we only – or send them to a farm somewhere. They had to be completely off the property of Santa Anita and in somebody else's barn or just off of the property in general. So I think this is what's going to hurt him, you know, along with the ban from Churchill Downs because he's not having his hands and eyes on the horses for three months, you know, they're with other trainers. Will they stay with other trainers? You know, it kind of remains to be seen. We'll see with some of the big name horses, how Tim Yachtin does with them in the Derby. And I think Tim Yachtin is in a no win situation. 
at all. Because, you know, if the horses underperform in the Derby, well, people will be like, oh, well, it's because Bob Baffert didn't have them. Well, if they overperform in the Derby or one of them wins, they'll say something like, oh, well, Bob Baffert was pulling the strings all along. It has nothing to do with Tim Yachting. So in a way, I, I feel really bad for him. And it's almost like he's an innocent bystander at this point that's just kind of, you know, inherited these horses and is really the one that's cleaning up the mess with everything that is going on. But, you know, as I said, kind of how we were off air talking a little bit about COVID, I think it's going to take a while to see the effects of this ban and really see kind of, you know, how that all is going to come into play. But I definitely think the 90 day ban is going to be his big problem having to completely vacate his barn, take all the signage down at Santa Anita. I think that's what's going to be hard to recover from because as we've seen with the Tim Yachting stuff, Rodolphe Brisset getting Blackadder and a couple other ones, he's able to kind of skirt around the Derby thing a little bit, you know, with those other trainers that have been underneath of him. But I, the 90-day ban is really what hurts him, in my opinion. Jerry, what do you think? Yeah, I don't know. You know, like, I, I've found that in the last couple years that it has been the Derby used to be just, you know, the, the, the king of all the races. And then I found like when the DQ of maximum security and now the whole Baffert situation, like it's, it's really, I used to be so excited and now I'm kind of just almost a little bit antsy about how everything's going to happen. And, you know, like I never thought I would ever see a DQ in the Derby. And yet we, there we get one, like seven minutes later, we get one. And then there's all this scrutiny with that came out about maximum security. And then now with this situation, it's like, okay. But it took so long for it to be rectified and for there to be consequences that it kind of took away a little bit of the excitement that I usually feel from the beginning of the year, as opposed to now. Um, I don't, I guess being up here in Canada, it's a little bit different. I was, I was kind of wondering how this was going to play out because he does have the winter book favorite for the Queens plate in Messier. Messier is a Canadian bread. So I've kind of been just keeping my eyes and ears open as to, you know, what would, what would happen if, if, you know, he couldn't bring him up here or if he would bring him up here. I, I don't really know. And I think Caitlin is right. Like there's, there's just a no-win situation with his, with the horses that are going to be running that technically would under run under Bob Baffert's barn. So in a way it's kind of like, a, I'm on a little bit of a wait and see because I think the world is going to explode kind of either way. And I don't know a lot of the rules in, in the United States pertaining to racing. So I think this is kind of like, this is, this is kind of like a new territory we're kind of getting into. And I think it's good because I think it needs to be done. And I don't think it's just Bob Baffert. I think it's everywhere. I think everywhere, you know, penalties need to be assessed and, and followed through with. Sure. I just I bring up a good point as far as regulations and rules in this country, because I don't, correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't think there's a, a large national oversight board. For Thank you. This is the question I have been asking for two years, Mary. Why is there not a regulatory board that covers the entirety of the United States? Wouldn't that have expedited a decision like this? And we wouldn't be waiting on the different circuits to be banning him or anyone else for that matter? And that's the thing. All these companies, including CDI and, and even Naira, wanting to ban him, 
they're private companies, but there's a little trickiness. I don't know, Caitlin can answer this better than me because I have no idea how CDI works, but for the Naira circuit, Naira is a private company, but the land that they run on has some like murkier waters because it's not owned necessarily by them in its entirety. So entering the property for Bob Baffert isn't necessarily their call. Kind of similar with CDI, but I believe based on the entity that owns Churchill Downs and all the surrounding properties that they've, you know, become okay with it and banning him from the property. And I also wanted to add that the two-year ban he received from Churchill, whatever he receives from Naira, plus the 90-day ban he received from the KHRC, I know it doesn't seem like a lot, you know, and a lot of people don't think it's a lot because of that's how the rules are written, but they gave him the maximum penalty everywhere they could based off the set rules they have. So as much as they could do to Bob Baffert, fine, suspensions, all of it, they did it. So is Bob Baffert being banned because of what he actually has done to the horses or is he being banned for how he handled what he did to the horses? Because to me, it seemed like after Medina's spirit, Every time the man opened his mouth, he was putting his foot in it. And it almost seemed like if he had been quieter and maybe let his representatives speak a little bit more for him, he could have avoided a couple of these bans. I think a lot of it certainly has to do with that. You know, I think they were just kind of, you know, getting tired of the repetitiveness, you know, the counter lawsuits and stuff like that. But I think what really was the nail in the coffin for him was, you know, not only did he have this overage with Medina Spirit, he has had overages with Gamine, Charlatan. Mm -hmm. You know, there's kind of like a three-strike policy with this type of thing. And not only did he have the positive results with Charlatan in Arkansas, Gamine also had one. Um, I think the really big kicker, especially for Churchill, is the year prior in 2020 when everything was crazy, Gamine finished third in the Kentucky Oaks, and she tested positive for the same substance in the Kentucky Oaks. So not only have you had a positive in the derby, you've had one in the Oaks and you've had them back to back. So Churchill was just like, okay, you know what? Even if it's not masking something and it still is an overage, either way, this is sloppy and we can't have this on our biggest stage, especially when you've hit the board in both races, you won the derby and you ran third in the Oaks with the morning line favorite. So this is, you know, it's not a win situation for Churchill. They have, you know, yes, Bob Baffert draws horses into the game. A lot of people bet money on his horses, but they have nothing to gain from him being there, especially with all of this cloud that's around him, stuff that has been said. So, I mean, I definitely think that they were ready to make that move. And there was never a single doubt in my mind. And I'm not saying this because I work for CDI or there's something that you all don't know. After Gamin tested positive and was disqualified from the Kentucky Oaks, even though she was not the winner, she was placed last after being, you know, placed third in the race. As soon as she was disqualified from that and it was revealed that Medina Spirit was positive for the substance, no matter how he got it into his body or not, there was no doubt in my mind that that horse was going to be disqualified. Had to be. If you're going to disqualify her for the same substance, I don't care if he wins or he's 17th, he is disqualified as well. It's very interesting. And the thing that I find difficult, though, is it took this long. You know what I mean? Like we're a month out from the Derby and it took it took that long for him to be disqualified. And I think that's where I kind of like where maybe I lose interest or whatever. You know what I mean? And, and I don't know a lot about the 
the legalities of, of the US system and everything, obviously. So, you know, it's very different here than it is down there. And so as a better, you know, and I'm not gonna lie, I had Mandaloon on all my tickets and yeah, was I mad? Of course I was. But you know what, I know that this is part of the game and I eat it and that's how, that's how it goes. Um, but that being said, you know, like it's frustrating going forward because I want to know what's going to happen from the wagering side. So for this year, right, is he going to be able to run? And I've got to think about his horses. Is he not going to run? And, you know, like it just, it changes my mentality. And I think, I think we saw a lot of that on Twitter as of course, you know, everybody had opinions and everybody does have opinions and rightfully so. But the length of time it took just really fueled, I think, the fire for so many different things and confusion. And, um, you know, it just, it really was unfortunate, I think. And I'm hoping, like, that's great that there was no, there wasn't, you know, that he was going to get disqualified and stuff. But really, like, two months before we're running the next derby. Right. You know, it's a little bit deflating. And I feel... I feel terrible for the connections of Medina Spirit um, and how his story ended. That was a very unfortunate situation that played out last winter, fall. Um, but going beyond after his win, he did win the Awesome Again State. He second or third in Breeders' Cup. He was second. Yeah. You know, he actually ran a really good race in behind Nick's go. There was a lot of controversy. Even there, there was the controversy. You know what I mean? Because he was running and and, and, and I'm glad, like, I'm glad I got to see him run. And I, I feel really terrible for the connections and how his story ended. And, you know, like, he, he didn't really have a say in any of the stuff that went on. So he kind of, his talent was kind of overshadowed. Right. So in that sense, it's really unfortunate. Even if there's a Baffert horse that you like, Messier, for example, um, being an Ontario bred, does it make you stay away from any of his horses as a better? Well, you know, honestly, the dilemma that I have been facing in the last little while, like, I usually pay a lot of attention to the two-year-old races and I have, I have my derby watch list going into January, but because there was just so much uncertainty and so much talk going on, I just kind of blocked everything out. Like I didn't really allow myself to kind of really get in, immerse myself into it. Uh, besides Echo Zulu, the Philly, which I love, <laughs> <laughs> you know, like it was, it's been really bizarre as a handicapper and, you know, like, like we usually, we usually throw a derby party. We used to throw a derby party every year and stuff. And it's just kind of taken the wind out of the sails a little bit because it was an unknown. Like we didn't know if his horses were going to run. We didn't know if they weren't going to run, you know. So I didn't really, really want to put the work into it per se until I actually know what I'm looking at. Like now that I know Messier and, and his other horse are going to be running, well, I have to give them the full look down just like I would anybody else. You know, but will there be that little thing in the back of my mind? Probably, because it just makes sense. Yeah. How could there not be? Exactly. So I'm always going to be wondering kind of like, okay, well, and that, that that's the other thing is we don't get a lot of time to see the horses 
perform under the the next trainer we get like one start maybe and then we have to make our own assessment after that so it's all it's almost like a whole new circumstance that we kind of have going on right so yeah. it's just it's just another handicapping thing that you're going to have to tweak in your head and and I, I don't really know how i'm going to respond to it yet once everything's drawn and i'm looking at the race then i'm going to have to really consider you know all angles which is something, you know, I've just never had to think about that before. So it does throw a whole nother wrench in the plan. You know, it's funny. One of my mentors, I won't say his name because I'm pretty sure he wouldn't want me to say this aloud uh, or, you know, on a podcast, but he showed me how to look at a trainer's stats or he pointed it out to me. He said, take a look at the trainer's stats at, you know, with this horse uh, for however long. And then take a look at the trainer's stats again for another race. And if they jump or go down, you can almost tell when they're, you know, juicing horses and when they're not. And it can kind of help you in a handicapping sense. If you're looking at their rates of, you know, their rates of success versus failure. And I'm still working on how to identify it properly and incorporate it into my handicapping. But one of the things I, I, dislike right now about the sport is that I'm actually having to handicap for that. Does that make sense? Like I'm trying to figure out which trainer is juicing and which is not. Well, and that's, that's what we've come to. Mm -hmm. That's what it has come to, to this point, unfortunately. And is that a, is that a Bob Baffert effect or is there just a list of trainers? I think that's been actually going on for probably the last year to two years. And maybe, Mm -hmm. you know, what with social media, it's just been a little bit more ramped up, you know, Mm -hmm. like I think everybody's kind of had it in the back of their minds. And then all of a sudden it just started to come to the forefront a little bit more. But I I honestly think like if anybody, this is probably one of the cleanest derbies ever (laughs) because Given, given the last couple of years, right, we, I, I think that that's one thing going forward. And I'm, and I'm not saying that to be mean, but this is probably going to be the cleanest derby that we've ever had ever since, you know. So it'll be interesting to see, like, because I think it will be based solely on, on the horse's mm-hmm. talent. Because if a positive comes out of this one, oh, my word, mm. <laughs> it could be disaster. I think Carson has an opinion on this. <laughs> I, I, I can just tell, I can tell Carson energy from here. I know. Um, well, back to what Caitlin was saying, as there's no winner for Tim Yachting because he's damned if he does, damned if he doesn't. And to that effect, then what really is the point of the ban? Because people either think that Bob's still involved or he's not. So then why was he even allowed to transfer horses to another trainer after they had already been racing at his barn. Um, A lot of this goes back to when maximum security was transferred from service to Bob and they were giving him this long downtime because they didn't know they weren't able to test for the drugs that service had used on maximum security. So they didn't really have a window to say, okay, I know for sure the horse is clean and he's off of whatever he had been given for X number of years with Uh, service and then was started with Bob. So the same can be said for Bob transferring them to Yachtin is that if they do win, then the credit goes to Bob. So then why are you banning Bob if it's still technically 
you're giving him credit, then you think that he's still involved, his hands are still in the pot, so to speak, then what is the point? That's an um, there's no guarantee of anything. Um, and I don't think that his problem is a cheating problem, it's a withdrawal problem. The horses aren't given the appropriate window to withdraw from whatever medication they've been given or whatever um, substance that they're using, um, all for, you know, fortifying horses for their performance and making them comfortable and uh, obviously very strenuous sport, um, but seems to be somewhat of a mathematical error every single time. So that was an, uh, another question I had, Carson, and maybe you can address it. Is Bob Baffert really juicing the horses or is he pushing the envelope within the, you know, allowable list? You know, a baseball player can be pulled for performance enhancing drugs that aren't on the acceptable list of performing enhancing drugs. You know, is it the same with horses? Is there a list of of, you know, things that they can be given and how much they can be given. Yes, but uh, the way that the sport is moving and how we would like to see it go is the way of Australia, overseas in uh, Great Britain and France even. Um, and then of course they have the no drug policy in the Middle East, but the issue isn't really the sensitivity of the tests because the acceptable value is zero. <laughs> so yeah, right. why would you, you even think. toe the line? Yeah. Yeah. And Churchill wants a clean race. They're not allowing anything. The prior acceptable level of the, um, I'm sorry, the beta-methasone, I believe was like 0.1% or 0.01%. And now on race day, it is zero in the state of Kentucky. So wow, that's it. So These see, tests are up to like 300 picograms sensitivity or something. So why even roll the dice on it? I'm not sure. The picogram thing is really what has gotten me. People are like, oh my gosh, it was only so many hundred picograms. That is, you know, a drop of blood in a swimming pool. It's picograms per milliliter. Right. Milliliter of blood and hair in this animal. Do you know how many milliliters of blood are in a racehorse? Because thousands tens of thousands of hundred thousands. So take that with what you will. Um, that this is, is it a small amount? Yeah, it's a small amount, but is it a microscopic amount? It's not. Sorry, hmm. I think you were saying something before. Yeah. This, see, this is, I don't know enough about a lot of this, uh, the finite details, so that's where I always get, you know, like I always look at things from, from the betting perspective and I don't, and this is something that I really find interesting because I would love to learn a lot more about this kind of stuff because oftentimes when, when, when these tests come back and stuff, like I have no idea, you know what I mean? Like to me, and I think the general public that don't know the ins and outs aren't really sure what the penalties kind of mean. You know what I mean? They just see positive test or something like that you know what I, so that's where i think you get the mass hysteria from yeah and it's and, and, and i'm not like i'm not justifying anything but i'm talking from like personal experience right um because i'm obviously emotionally invested as to what is happening so when i'm trying to do all my work and i'm trying to make logical um race 
plays and then this comes out, I feel like this is something that I can't handicap for. Right. And I know that we had touched on it, Ancora, and you know mm -hmm. how you try to, but, but we shouldn't have to try to base our handicapping on that. I agree. Right. Mm -hmm. And so I think that's where, you know, like to me, I don't know, I don't know what a picogram is. Like I, I really don't. So when they do come out and say that, I really have no idea. And I think it's great information that Caitlin and Carson can share this kind of stuff with us so that we have a little bit better understanding as to what exactly is coming out. Absolutely. And I, and I think that's the thing is because you know what, a lot of us just really don't know. And there are so many different opinions of what everybody thinks because there's not a uniform system. Yeah. Right. Bingo. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And one of the things that I have found so fascinating about Bob Baffert is what a polarizing figure he is both on track. If I'm at Santa Anita, people are either loving Bob Baffert or he's the devil on Twitter. Certainly over the weekend, I mean, the number of fires that were created by, you know, people who are diehard Baffert fans versus those who are, you know, who love to hate him. It, it's been incredible. I feel like there've been friendships broken up over this. Bob is a polarizing figure. Do you think he will go away quietly or is he coming back and going to be, you know, bigger than ever? Well, the man can go and train quarter horses if he wants. I mean, he can go into the standard bread world. It doesn't matter. He clearly knows the animal. He knows, mm -hmm. he knows racing. There's no, there's, that's not the argument here. Um, and I think unfortunately, and, and I do, I do like him. I'm sorry. I do. I find him mm -hmm. personable. I've watching them. I see a little bit on the behind the scenes kind of thing. Not that I'm privy to any personal information of their lives, but you know, it's a moment where it's just him and Jill in the barn or, you know, uh, just him and Jimmy and the vet, uh, they're doing a scope after a race and, you know, it's basic stuff, stuff you see every day. And it just, they're just, they love the animal. I don't think that he does it out of any like malicious intent. Um, and like I said, it's not a, uh, we're not talking about some sort of untestable substance that, you know, required the FBI tapping their phone lines, like Navarro and service got into, you know, it's just a withdrawal factor for medications that he used to support the animal. And I don't think it was out of any intent to harm the horse, but rather the opposite. So, um, you know, he could, he can do whatever he wants. He could go on and be a reporter, <laughs> you know, he could talk about the sport all day and not have to go to, go to the barn at four o'clock in the morning every day, travel all over the world. And, um, you know, I don't know. So here's one point I have on to what Ancora was saying too about him being a polarizing figure, which he is, he's prominent and always has been. Um, but now you see others like um, the talk is about, okay, well, if, if Bob, then this one, and if Bob, then this one, and if Bob, then this one. So here's, this is where I'm trying to put, make, have this all make sense. So if everybody's doing it, then everybody should be penalized. Like, is this the start of where it's going or they just haven't been caught? Mm -hmm. like, you know what I mean? This is kind of like where I'm at with it. It's like, okay, well, everybody's pointing fingers. Okay, well, if this one's guilty, then this one's guilty. And then this one's guilty. And it really gets overwhelming. And I think it's bringing even more negativity to an already touchy situation. And 
is that what needs to happen before we like shake the tree and start anew? Like, I kind of wonder if that's just like, if, if this is the statement and then now, like, because I don't, I don't hear of the, I do hear of some of the other trainers testing positive and, you know, like it's Brad Cox, Steve Asmussen. I've heard every name almost on Twitter in the last couple of weeks. So, you know, is it, is it, do we need just a big cleanse and move forward or, you know, are we just going to continue to finger point and have nothing be different? But can I ask one thing? And that one thing would be, are these main trainers really doing anything in this realm? Are they doing anything in the juicing realm? Or is it the people around them and they're unaware of what's actually happening in their barns? Because you have trainers, they can't be everywhere at once, but their horses run a lot of different places. Right. How many horses are being trained by Asmus? And and did I pronounce that correctly? Because I felt like I was a little heavy on the ass. Uh, (laughs) But how many, how many, how many horses are being, you know, quote unquote trained by him. And then tell me how many horses he's actually laid his hands on. You know what I mean? Like, that's an excellent question. I would love to know the answer to it. (laughs) And I guess this is where like all the controversy comes into play. Mm -hmm. Right. And that's what I mean. Like, I don't, I don't really know where we go from here. And I guess that's why it's kind of like, okay, well, we're going to wait and see what happens over this 90 day period. And then, you know, we'll see what's happening with other trainers. And if there's other positives, are they going to have the same fate or consequences or, you know what I mean? Like, I don't know mm-hmm. if this is the new territory going forward or if it's, and, and, mm-hmm. and I think that's just because there isn't a unified board that is making these decisions. It's kind of like, you know, everywhere has, everyone has a different, every state has different rules, every you know, so yeah. I'm, I'm kind of curious myself as to where we go from here. Now that the penalty is put in play, I, w- I want to see if there's other people that are going to get the same penalties elsewhere or in this, you know what I mean? Like, is this going to be the thing that's going to change everything going forward? Be that's nice. the question, right? Have some things changed, yeah. I'm wondering, maybe Caitlin can speak more to this, but... To me, I'm kind of hopeful in the sense that everything that's happening with Bob right now, um, this will, his taking this break, this, you know, serving his punishment, whatever, um, will give other smaller trainers a chance to shine. That's my hope. Is, Is that possible? I'm certainly hoping so, especially, you know, on a stage like this. You know, as I said, Tim Yachtin getting these horses, it's a no win situation for him, but maybe he will start getting some more horses coming out of this. I think the best horse he's ever had was probably Mucho Unusual, super good turf mare. He's had a couple other pretty nice horses too that are kind of slipping off the top of my head. She's the most recent really good one I can think of that he's had. Um, Antonio Sano is bringing simplification. There are certainly some smaller name trainers. Um, Safi Joseph is bringing White Barrio. I believe this is going to be um, one of his first Kentucky Derbies, if not his first. So I think it's definitely going to be able to shine a light on maybe some other types of trainers. And certainly, as you said, some of the smaller barns as well. Certainly we'll be talking a lot about Brad Cox, Steve Asmussen, um, Todd Pletcher, because they have a majority of the contenders this year, but there are some, 
that, you know, are for smaller barns that I definitely think had an opportunity to get in because, you know, Baffert seemed like he had a loaded, loaded barn in January. Some of those contenders have dropped off. You know, they just have the two right now. I, I can think of several others, Doppelganger, um, Black Adder was another one that I mentioned that just missed out and, and a couple of other ones that have since, you know, gone by the wayside. So I think all of those horses not being in has had an opportunity for some of the other horses to get in from the smaller barns. But I definitely um, I'm hoping not from the Churchill downside, because I know it's not that they, you know, don't want us to talk about it. We're freely to kind of, you know, express whatever we want. But I know that we're not wanting to make this derby this year about Bob Baffert and Tim Yachtin. We're hoping to tell some other stories, but I know that's probably NBC's game plan. So I'm hoping next year when this kind of all blows over a little bit and this is the second year of the band that we'll maybe see that shine a little bit more. And Caitlin, I think you were pretty passionate on Twitter maybe a month or two ago when all of this happened with Baffert and the ruling on this that people were implying that this was no longer a grade one race because of the absence of one trainer. Can you speak a little bit more about that? To me, that is the most foolish thing I've, you know, ever heard. And anybody that actually thinks that doesn't really think that you're saying that because you love Bob Baffert. And I'm not going to sit here and say that I don't like Bob Baffert. I love Bob Baffert as a person. Um, he's extremely fun to be around. He's a great interview. Um, do I know what's going on in his barn or, you know, if there is sloppiness or if there's something nefarious going on, I can't speak to that because I don't know. And I don't think anybody else knows anybody that says they know either way you don't because the general public doesn't know the people behind the scenes don't know. So, I mean, I, I can't, you know, really speak to that, but the best horses made it into the race because they were transferred in time. So they had every opportunity to go. And what, you know, really made me upset about it was saying you're excluding horses. CDI is excluding horses from the Derby. They're not excluding horses. Literally, Bob Baffert was banned before any of these horses even debuted. So if you had one iota that this was going to be, you know, a triple crown race contender, why not just transfer the horse? It literally has nothing to do with the horse being, you know, banned by Churchill Downs. The horses are not banned. Bob Baffert is banned. It has nothing to do with the horses. It has nothing to do with the owners. All they had to do was do a trainer switch. They ended up doing it in time, but implying that this is no longer a grade one race because Bob Baffert's not allowed. Okay. That doesn't stop the horses from running. So I think they're just saying, you know, that this could not be grade one level because there was a restriction built into the race. And that's simply not true. There's not a restriction built into the race. Bob Baffert can run at Turfway Park on a Thursday. He's banned from all Churchill Downs properties. It's not just the Derby and the Oaks. There's not a specific condition written saying that he can't run in the Derby and the Oaks. He can't run anywhere that's owned by CDI. The Derby and the Oaks just happen to be included in that. You know, I'm actually excited about the idea of there not being, you know, a grade one stakes winner trainer in that race. I think it makes it a little bit more exciting because now I don't feel like okay, well, I'm obviously going to choose this horse because this trainer is bigger than life itself. And clearly he's going to win. It makes it a little bit more of a, of a skill, you know, and technique race. I think, I don't know. I could be totally wrong. Well, I think too, something that we need to think about is that, um, emotions were very heightened during all of this. Uh, everybody, 
in, in the world has gone through a lot in the last two years. And I think probably a lot of things that maybe normally wouldn't be said were said. And I think there's a lot of people that are walking around tents, a lot of, um, a lot of, I, I, I just think there was a lot of tension and, you know, people sometimes use Twitter as a form of expressing opinions and just saying stuff that maybe not sometimes thinking about opening a discussion. And um, I'm not saying that, you know, I agree with, with, with what he said, because I really don't. I think that you still have to prove that you deserve, you have to earn your right to be in the Derby and the, the best 20 horses do. But I think that, you know, like the, the, with COVID and everything that took place, I think people's emotional levels are just overdrive. And so I think I'm hoping that once now that, you know what, the dust has started to settle. And I do think the excuses were not helping the situation. I think, um, you know, people were just, tired of that point it was like okay let's just settle this and move on um, and now I agree with you I think let's just let the dust settle let's move forward and you know let's kind of give everybody a little bit of a pass to a certain degree that maybe their emotional senses were <laughs> overload and let's all just come back down and just enjoy the Derby because at the end of the day, you know what, two years ago, we had to postpone everything and we didn't know what things were going to be like. This is like a sense of normalcy, you know, like, yeah. and it's a normalcy, but not normalcy. Maybe it's the new normal, like everybody's talking about. Yeah. Right? Like you having Woodbine open on time and regularly scheduled, you know, that's it's, I think it is something we should be looking forward to. Yeah. And you know what, there's still our Queens plate they've kept in the fall, mm -hmm. you know, which it was a positive change. And sometimes, you know what, positive changes come out of negative situations for sure. And I'm trying to just hold on to the hope that, you know what, this is for the best right or wrong because everyone's going to have an opinion on it and nobody's going to be 100 percent. but that mm -hmm. doesn't mean i think of anybody less you're everyone's entitled to their own opinion but let's just focus on the positive and mm -hmm. you know what let's cheer the horses that have made it there and let's let's enjoy it yeah right? i agree and in the spirit of kind of moving forward and letting people enjoy um we have derby coming up it's coming up very soon um we had something interesting because Classic Causeway was being taken out of the Derby Trail. Um, and then recently was just put back in, putting Pioneer Medina back on the little bubble outside of 20th. What are we thinking? Oh, well, I've got futures best on Classic Causeway. <laughs> so. You're happy. You're happy. You're happy. I don't know. I'm not really sure what I think about that because after the Florida Derby, you know, it was, but again, horses have bad days just like everybody else. So um, I'm going to have to look at them objectively, but I, I wonder, you know, this is where I wonder how much owners come into play. I don't really know. Like I just read it this morning was the owner, the one that wanted to go in because they had the points and, or did they decide as a team to do it? You know, like I've read a couple different things. So hmm. what do you think, Ancora? I, you know, I'm again, 
don't know a ton about it, but to me, it feels unfair. And when it feels unfair in horse racing, it's probably the right thing to be happening. That's one of the things that I have learned about horse racing is that if somebody's not getting screwed over, then it's probably not a horse racing issue. So I, I personally think it's great. I feel bad for Pioneer, but um, I'm happy that Classic Causeway is, is back in. Great horse. I think I, I, I made I'm a pick. Does anybody know, has Brian had a, had a derby starter? I don't think so. I don't no, know. That I know. Yeah. 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 I don't think so. Like, I'm, I'm happy for him. I've been, mm-hmm. you know, I, I, I've followed a lot of his horses, like heart to heart that ran up here. And you know what I mean? Like I've, I've followed him for quite some time. So I'm very happy that he has a, has a chance to actually be on, on the big stage and, and running in the Kentucky. I mean, he's on the big stage, obviously, but I don't mm-hmm. think he's ever had a Kentucky Derby running. So I think that's really cool. Same. You know, um, again, it's, and don't worry about uh, uh, the other Pletcher horse. Lots is going to happen between now and when they get in the gate. Mm-hmm. I think we're going to see a lot more shuffling yet. Don't <laughs> forget about those peepees yet. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if my heart can take it at this point. Good <laughs> Lord. Are, are you modonical? <laughs> Did you say Pletcher Horse? Yes, Spirit of Medina. Is that him? Oh, Pioneer Medina. Pioneer Medina. Yeah, that's it. That's a, that's a Pletcher, right? Yeah, I, I think it is. I totally he ran forgot. To Epicenter. Didn't he get loose in the uh, Louisiana Derby there? Right? I don't even remember watching the Louisiana Derby. Yes, he did. I actually really liked him that day. And then he he got loose and kind of ran half of his race before. <laughs> yeah, to, he ran the race twice. Yeah. To the members yeah. of the I audience. Really that day. I was like, oh, darn. Sherry, <laughs> I was still recovering. Sherry, I, I was still recovering before. She's still recovering now. I know I, I was no I was saying I was recovering because um I thought episode or oh my gosh I thought Echo Zulu was going to lose to Hidden Connection um right before the Louisiana Derby um and I was kind of holding my breath there hoping she could hold on and she did but I was still recovering from that <laughs> why don't you tell us about your recovering from Keeneland this weekend Mary how'd that go it went very well um, this is actually the first time I've been to Keeneland on a racing day. Uh, I was going through the area in 2015, stopped by, and I thought it was a beautiful place. And uh, the track was, it was a beautiful weekend too at Keeneland. We were there on Sunday, I was there with a gal pal, just kind of a weekend out. And uh, it, it was wonderful. And I met many amazing people and uh, it was it was. <laughs> everyone's giving the look even though you can't see you're hearing uh, we, we met some of our degenerate friends <laughs> anyone uh, in particular or I guess we gotta give a little shout out to Coots Coots <laughs> uh, <laughs> it was so good he was he was such like a vibrant personality, and my friend is like, I like him. He's super cool. Yeah. Uh, and my my friend was amazed because she was telling her dad when we were driving back, she's like, we got the VIP treatment when we were at the horse race because this was her first ever horse race. Um, oh, that's so great, cool. It was a great environment to bring her to because 
I know there are some tracks that don't necessarily have the crowds that Keeneland can generate. And on a beautiful day, it, there were so many people. Everyone was just happy and vibing and here and there. And, you know, she, we, we went into the paddock because they brought us into the paddock, Poots and company and everything. Uh, and she was, I was like, did I take your photo, Laura, with, you know, the horses in the back and everything? She's like, no, I'm okay. And I'm like, what's wrong? And she's like, I feel embarrassed to be here. Like, I don't belong. <laughs> and, and Poots is like, you're here. You got to own it. You got to own it. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. So she owned it. She definitely did. Good for her. Do you think she'll uh, come back? Do you think she will get the horse racing bug? I'm hoping. I mean, what what more can you do besides put someone within feet of a horse that's about to run? A race? Put someone within feet of horse, a uh, horse and coots, apparently. <laughs> so, yeah. so I'll be encouraging her to visit up in Saratoga and Saratoga. I love, I love that. Uh, which horse won that race? The six or the nine? <laughs> They ran one too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They came together. I don't even remember, okay, yeah. I don't remember what race it is, but I, I know Coots did have it. Oh, yeah, for sure. He always has it, right? <laughs> lock with Coots. Oh, yeah. Um, that was one of the things the one of the things that has startled me about Keeneland, and maybe one of you ladies know this. Are all of these horses running in these Keeneland races just because they're waiting? for, you know, the other races on the Derby card and all that stuff. Like I, I have felt like Keeneland has had over 150 horses per live racing day card. It's been incredible to see fields that size, like a field of 16 at Keeneland just feels huge. And mostly because I do most of the work that I do for trip note pros is with Santa Anita, whose fields are considerably smaller. So it's, it's been fascinating to, you know, meet, quote unquote, meet all these new horses and, and learn about them. But it does feel like a lot. I think mm-hmm. a lot of them do prep, prep for Derby Day at Keeneland. Mm-hmm. Right, Caitlin? Mm-hmm. Oh, she's on mute. Yeah, I, I, think, I think they do because it's like two, we're too Sorry. Two <laughs> I, I think a lot of them do prep at Keeneland, Caitlin, right? Like for the yeah. Derby undercard and stuff? Usually, and um, a lot of turfway horses go there as well. So, like the whole Kentucky, you know, crop is there. Um, horses come up from the fairground. Some of them come up from Oaklawn. Some of them come up from Gulfstream, like the Asmussen Barn, the Pletcher Barn. Um, wow, several other really big barns awesome. move most of their horses up that away. So it's just a combination of a lot of stuff. But most horses do if you're going to run at Churchill, unless you're coming off a layoff and you're just, you know, kind of working your way back. A lot of them will race at both tracks. Gotcha. That makes sense because those fields are huge. Is actually a lot of woodbine horses go to Keeneland in the spring as well. Oh. Because A, they can run on turf there, right? We can't mm-hmm. run here on turf yet. And with that, when our season just opens for three weeks, usually two, three weeks, we only run five, five and a half for long sprints. We don't run any route races. So a lot of, a lot of owners and trainers that have had their horses maybe off for the winter or down at Gulfstream getting ready, a lot of them will give them a start. Like Josie Carroll had had a couple horses this past weekend, uh, Mighty Heartman, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and Roger Hatfield has had a few. 
Um, you know, so for them, that's their way of actually getting a race in before they ship them up here, or they just wait and run there on the turf. They might even go to Churchill and run at Churchill before they come up here because our turf season starts later. Oh, okay. So that, that helps. That helps me. Yeah. Cause at one point I'm like doing all the editing for trip note pros. And I'm thinking to myself, I am going to have to edit a trip note for a Ford focus here soon. They've got everything on four wheels and four legs in these fields. They're just, they're beautiful fields and the horses are amazing. I, I love pouring through the PPs for these horses. So it's been great. Yeah. Mary, what are you doing to take care of that hangover you have from the weekend? Oh yeah, this terrible hangover. Actually, I I had one of the best bread puddings at Keeneland. However, my friend is my friend who loves bread pudding as well. Uh, she <laughs> we go out to watch a race after she eats it, and she goes, "Did you taste a lot of bourbon in that?" Like, <laughs> yeah, and she's like, "I feel like I'm a little drunk from that. I don't understand. Like it's supposed to it's supposed to like." absorb into it and I'm like no it was like the the sauce or whatever that was on it like a glaze on it it was very strong with bourbon but she was like kind of drunk from it it was well, super funny it was Mary super- has sold me on the bread pudding at Keeneland that will be my first purchase <laughs> wonderful wonderful but there was also some pretty good racing around the country this weekend and at Oaklawn we had the apple blossom oh that was great yeah our champion Latruska coming back. Were you guys liking Latruska in that race? Did you like Cece, Clarier, Maracuja? Well, what was that race? What were you thinking? Oh, goodness. Well, I'm a Clarier fan. Okay. And um, so is Vic Stoffer. I like Latruska too. I, I really do. I like Latruska. Um, I, I beat her with Cece in the Breeders' the Cup Distaff last year at Delmar. And so I was kind of like, and that was, I think, the only tough race like Latru- where Latruska didn't hit the board. Right? Actually, uh, am I mistaken in that CC beat in the, were they in the sprinter though? Was CC the one that beat, um, what's her face? Oh my God, what's her name? We just mentioned her, the Baffer Gamine. Too much bread pudding, Mary. Yeah, <laughs> was, was Cece, Cece was in the the sprint with Gamine, wasn't she? Oh, could be. I don't know. I get them all mixed up. I could be wrong, but it was it was the distaff was with the Marshall Rain and Dunbar Road. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. I think you had Cece, Bella right. Sophia, and and Gamine right. in the sprinters. You're right. You're right. Yeah. Um, but for some reason. I thought, like, I really like that race at Assisi. And I think she's going to be a really good, I, I think she's going to be a force in that in that division this year. Um, and I don't know, like, I don't know what it is in my brain whenever I see the horses bet like that. Because if I were a single Latruska, she would have came second. So, you know, I, I and, and it never fails. Every, I talked about this with Carson all the time. Like, it was the same thing with Malathat. I liked Bonnie South, bang, she runs second. You know, and, and I think that's, I don't know if that's part of like my betting on emotions sometimes too much, my downfall. I want to try to see if there's somebody else that can maybe just edge out the heavy favorite. I don't know if it's just my betting strategy, 
And I mean, I don't, I like Latruska and I like mouth that too, but if I'm looking for value, I'm going to try to beat them on my tickets. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. And a lot yep. of them, they're, they're all so talented that it's just going to get, who's going to get the right trip on that day. Yeah. Right? I had, I had CC in that race, the five with Latruska, Latruska as my alternate. And I really wish I had, you know, uh, flipped those picks. Uh, but like Sherry just said, I went with CC because I thought, you know, uh, Latruska seems really obvious. I'm hoping maybe CC can pull this out. Vic Stoffer must have had his, the entirety of his retirement on Clarier because he said Clarier like a dozen times. I'm like, dude, you cannot will her into winning. <laughs> She's, you know, Latruska is clearly running away with this race. So that to me was funny, but I was a little disappointed that CC um, didn't come in, but I was happy that Latruska did. I like Latruska. That is a phenomenal division though. Like, right? boy, I, I, think, I think, I don't know, like normally, you know, there's one or two standouts, but there's like six of them. Yeah. Makes handicapping a lot more difficult. <laughs> and another well, standout. Another standout ran on Friday at Keeneland, and that was Malathot, who was your 2021 Kentucky Oaks winner and 2021 Alabama Stakes winner. Love Malathot. And I tried to beat her, too. Yeah. Came second. (laughs) But Bonnie South actually ran a very good race in defeat. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I know. Sherry, you're going to be Miss uh, Silver Medal, and I'm going to be Miss (laughs) One-Off. I miss one element of the formula it doesn't matter what i bet vertical horizontal no that's it uh <laughs> i ran i ran what was that friday carson i ran second at keeneland in every race but two Ugh. and i was just like you gotta be kidding and that's see that's the thing Ankara. when there's those big fields right mm-hmm. and if you're playing pick fours and pick fives like running second is just not good. It's almost like the worst. I'd rather run run like eight yeah. than run second. <laughs> I can see that too. Like I, I've been listening or watching some of the the chat that you know we're involved in privately, uh, and it's been funny to me to see people say, "Well, if you're choosing all in a five horse field." you know, then, then are you really sweeping or not sweeping? It's been to sweep or not to sweep in chat for the last couple of days. It's been fascinating to read and learn about. So. Hmm. Um, go ahead, Sherry. No, I was just going to say, you know, like it's a constant learning process. Truly, truly. And if, if the thing is, is if Carson would change to something else, well, then her pick fours will end up coming in. Or if she, you know, and if I, if I switch my tickets, if I start playing exactas or instead of daily doubles or something, then the daily doubles will come in. It's just, it's patience and trust your process. And I That's have to the tell hardest myself part. at least 10 times, like every week, patience, patience. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Patience. And for me, trusting the process is huge. Like trusting I'm constantly process. second guessing. That's one of my favorite sayings, trust the process, trust yourself and just hang in there. Right. Yeah. Yeah, you're true. Well, so um, uh, sorry, I didn't mean to talk over either. Uh, I do have a big week coming up on Wednesday. Finally, doing our wedding ceremony. Um, We couldn't before. 
Yay, COVID. Um, but <laughs> there is an enormous pick five carryover for Parks <laughs> and there's the pick six at uh, Keeneland, I believe, is also a carryover. I can't, I, I believe so from the weekend. Uh, so if anybody listening would like to message our Twitter account, are we going to be live before? We're going to be uh, published before Wednesday? I think nope. our producer publishes us on Thursdays. Oh, okay. So if you submit picks on Thursday, that doesn't do me any damn good. Um, <laughs> but uh, maybe build the ticket, help us build a uh, pick five ticket message, our Twitter account at the X Factor on Twitter. And let's That's hit great. a nice horizontal. Absolutely. And as we're <laughs> wrapping up here, we're going to just kind of go through and say what our favorite thing that we saw on Twitter this week was. Corey, you want to kick us off? My favorite thing about Twitter this weekend was uh, Dickie. Firehouse Racing. At Firehouse Racing. Talk about being the kindest yet most passive-aggressive gentleman in horse racing Twitter. His arguments this weekend, just they, they gave me everything I needed from horse racing after such a terrible loss on Saturday to Gorgo. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not bitter. I'm totally bitter, but yeah, Dickie that my shout out, my Twitter shout out is for you this, this weekend. You made, you made a lot of things very funny for me. So at firehouse racing, if you're not already following him, follow him. He's hilarious and knowledgeable, which helps. Sherry. Uh, I, you know what? I think that my favorite um, interactions on Twitter this week have been with Carson. Actually, <laughs> she's she's helped me kind of keep sane this week. It's been uh, you know um, fun to kind of bounce ideas with her and and you know go through our ticket frustrations together. And um, it's nice when you have some somebody that you can. Um, you know, share ideas with, and she's very smart. She comes up with a lot of really good long shots that I would have never, I've never come into play. So I'm going to give her a big shout out. And her pictures are fabulous too, by the way. So but, beautiful. Uh, it's been, it's been great actually interacting with her because we didn't really know each other very well prior. Oh, that's and, true. Sometimes I would, the pictures that I posted that morning would be the long shots that would hit later that day. And then maybe <laughs> I might get more traffic. <laughs> Well, and I, that's, I, I like that, you know, yeah. like I love looking at her pic because then it makes sense to me. I'm like, oh yeah, cool. Like she, you know, and it just kind of ties into the whole, to the whole process, but she's, she's been a lot of fun this week and kept me sane. So. Awesome. Caitlin. Well, I would probably say that my recognition of the week would go out to Alicia Hughes and Kevin Kirstein for posting backstretch cat pictures now that we're getting close to the derby i am now aware that some barns have kittens at keeneland and at churchill and i mean i said this earlier you know whether it's bath pictures derby week or barn cats i will accept either currency i'm very excited about this just something funny to add to it. And Kevin Kirsten, who I'm very privileged to work with at Churchill Downs, he kind of, you know, gets all the information we need from the backstretch and kind of, um, he's the one that runs the Churchill Twitter account. He is our main PR man, really kind of a jack of all trades at Churchill. He drives around on a golf cart throughout the grounds and he really does it um, 
you know, especially in the mornings going on the backstretch. And there has been a cat riding with him in the front seat on the golf cart every day this week, a random cat from whatever barn. So he's driving the cat mobile around Churchill Downs. And I've just, you know, been loving all the cat pictures. And if you can get on the backside, Neil Pesson has new kittens at his barn. Do you see the cat on Sherry's cam? <laughs> I know I don't have mine on my camera. Um, they're oh. locked out of my office right now because they're just insane. Um, but I was making food a little while ago while I was on with you guys and Stormcat will climb on my counters and we have like a 10 foot overlook over top of our kitchen. And literally I had to mute my mic because he just like came crashing through and just fell completely you know, just 10 feet onto the floor. Like it was no big deal, just in very Stormcat style. So. Very funny. Carson, you're up. Oh gosh. Um, I don't know that I could pick a favorite. I kind of just went uh, into the deep end and down the rabbit hole with Keeneland for the spring meet, which has been really fun. It's not a, a track that I've ever played before and uh, made picks for, um, Every card uh, started on a survivor pool and made it a few days. And it turns out I can't even pick the losers right. Uh, but uh, it's been pretty fun to go back through and uh, look at the pedigrees of the long shots. And like Sherry said, that's really where I like to find somebody just having a really good day. Um, and they may be like 21 to 1 or 13 to 1. And then just digging in their past to see like if there's any common denominator between where they ran before, if they're trainer, if it's just the jockey having a really great month. Um, you know, it's been a lot of fun. And the one that I found from earlier in the meet, um, I actually posted a picture today is by Motown, also by Uncle Mo, who is the, the hot shot du jour and made probably for the last 365 jours. <laughs> um, so that was really fun to find. And uh, Coolmore uh, America at Ashford. Um, they do a really great job with uh, advertising and promoting their studs and take phenomenal care of them. So a fun spot to visit and also great uh, photographic opportunities there. Very Well, I think it's time that we whoa, sign. Oh, whoa, Mary, oh. you didn't give your Twitter shout out. <laughs> okay. Okay. Um, there was a video just today on Monday, the 25th. Um, as we we're recording this earlier today, there was a video posted of the 2006 Kentucky Derby uh, with Barbara. Barbara winning. And uh, it was really amazing to see how many people had responded to the tweet. I think, I think Ed put the tweet out. Am I crazy? Yeah, he did. I, he did I, I am crazy, but yes, he did. Um, and he, um, I saw all these people replying to him and how Barrow really inspired them to really want to get involved in horse racing and, and how much that derby meant to people. And I think that's super important that we can have derbies in the future and just big races, no matter where they are and what races they are, that can inspire people to really love horse racing. So I think that's really and Barbara, you know what, he, he actually hooked me too. He was the first Kentucky Derby winner that I picked that I researched from when he was two years old. I, I actually, he's the first two-year-old I ever followed right from his first start all the way to the Kentucky Derby. So yeah, that's a really, that's a really cool one, Mary. He, he, he holds a special place in my heart, but also 
Edgar Prado is the first jockey to give me his goggles when I was a little kid at Saratoga. So that's, oh. I've told the story a million times, but I don't know. There's something about that. And I always love that. Love well, that sentimental mom story before we go. I was three months pregnant with Sienna when Barbara passed. Mm-hmm. And um, I literally was at like crying my eyes out at work uh, because I was pregnant, A, and I was just so distraught about him um, and what he was going through that I told myself that when, like I ended up having my daughter in June and I had always told myself that when she was old enough, I was going to take her to the Barbaro Memorial because I always remembered the year he died because it was the year that she was born. So just before COVID hit, Sienna and I took a trip to Churchill Downs and I had, I took her picture in front of the Barbaro statue. It kind of almost came a first full circle moment because I just wanted her to know that that's where it all kind of began for me and how, you know, um, she just, she kind of helped me get through the first really devastating experience of the whole racing side. So anyway, I thought that was kind of cool. It is. Hmm. beautiful 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 well that about does it for the show and thank you so much for listening and please tweet us either individually or at our twitter the x factor racing um if you have any suggestions who you want to hear what you want to hear um let us know thank you so much take care thank you